As an introduction, can I ask you please to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? I'm going to be sharing this morning a very similar message to what I shared with the leaders and potential people in terms of releasing the priesthood. Uh, I shared this yesterday, and I'd like to really share it again. And uh, trust that it encourages you and sets something of the tone of what we feel God has for us in this new season of this church. And so, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. It says, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Oh, by the way, at the end of the the meeting today, we are going to be praying for Bruce and Belinda. We're going to plant in Slough. And it's a wonderful, wonderful, it's a bittersweet moment for us. We love them. But it's wonderful to be able to send them with our blessing, with our love, and with our support. And they're going to be starting in in Bruce and Belinda's home in the next couple of weeks. And we hope to be able to continually go and help and as much as they want us to Uh, be part of what they're doing there, and uh, continue to cultivate our friendship and enjoy them. And they've been such a blessing to this church, and so we're going to release them uh, to go and plant and send them to plant at the end of the meeting. So we'll call their family up and a couple of people that are going with them, and it's going to be a joyous, joyous time of celebrating what God is doing. eh? It's wonderful that God would use us to break open something of His kingdom, and he wants to use Bruce and Belinda to do that and to break up in the whole new community. It's wonderful. So just to put that in the back of your mind, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks... Slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would make, not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense, where, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in one body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require." But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there might be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. 
Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for the truth of the Word. I want to thank you for what you want to do in us, what you want to do with us. I want to thank you for just an amazing time of worship, of you speaking to our hearts tenderly, kindly. And God, I pray right now by your Spirit that you would come, that you would refresh us in this Scripture, that you would bring greater revelation of what it means, greater understanding of what it means to each of us. And God, we thank you that you are moving us forward into something completely new. We rejoice in that. We rest in what you've done in the power of Jesus and his resurrection. But Lord, we want to experience of all that you have for us. And so I simply pray as I preach this morning that you'd come, that you'd bring revelation to people, individuals and families that I I can't bring. Lord, you lead us to truth. You lead us by your spirit. You change us. You mold us. You make us. And Lord, I pray as I preach this morning that you would do that even as people are sitting in these seats this morning, that you would change us from the inside out. And I pray that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We were just chatting yesterday about different things that people do. And uh, part of what I want to talk about this morning really started, as I've said over the last couple of months, started in Greece, actually, while we were lying on the beach. In, in August, Helen and I just talking. We had been through a whole lot of stuff as a family that year and also in the life of the church. And we were just saying, God, what do you have for us for this year? And we really felt God speak to us about a new thing, a new season, and that he wanted us to be far, those that far more walk by hearing what he's saying specifically and responding to the Spirit of God in a whole different way. And so we've tried to be obedient to that. I've tried to speak over the last couple of months about the simplicity of the gospel, about putting the gospel at the center, about simplifying our lives. I spoke about that last week. just to, to So we can be in a place of response. Uh, we've purposefully not plowed into our calendar with a whole lot of things that we've always done that have worked. We've purposefully, not because we're trying to be disorganized, but because we want to hear, God, what are you saying? <laughs> what do you want us to do in the next three months? What do you want us to do? And so I've had to resist that because my natural tendency is to organize and to make sure that I know what's happening. That's how I am. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people are different. But God, I felt God say, take your hands off. And so we, we've been trying to do that. And as we've been thinking about this and God's been giving greater and greater revelation, I just felt, we felt, and in our eldest times we've been praying on Wednesday mornings, that what God is trying to do also is take the attention of what we've traditionally called leadership and place it right back onto the priesthood of all believers. And we feel that that is part of something of the new that God has for us, that every single one of us as priests needs, needs to rise into a new Understanding a new revelation, a new grace on our lives that we simply respond to what God is doing and allow Him to use us in a whole fresh way. And I know that sounds simple, right? But God, I believe, like I said last week, Jesus was the architect of simple. He was. He, he was able to see through all the stuff of the culture and people's opinions and, and just zone in on what God wanted. And so we want to begin to celebrate the priesthood of this church in a whole new way in this, in, this, in this year. And I've asked Marcel and Samantha and other people who are good at photography to start going into every single person, their work environment, and to start taking some pictures of you at work. All right? So if you start getting a phone call and say, well, what do you want? We just want to take some pictures. We're going to try and come and pray. 
as much as we can. We're going to, I'm going to ask the elders to come, and we're going to go and pray with you in your, in your work situation, whatever you do, and take a picture of Hilda in her nurse's uh, outfit, whatever it is, physiotherapist's outfit, and uh, Zach working for his computer company, and uh, Martin with blood on his front from <laughs> drilling people's teeth. I'm just joking, of course, but we would like to do that. And we would like to fill the walls of that foyer with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pictures of you, the priests, priesting. And what you do during the week is vital. It's a, a priesthood of all believers. And we're going to look at that this morning, what it means to be a priest. Because the Bible says we, in 1 Peter 2, it says we are kingdom of priests. We are a royal priesthood. You and I are a royal priesthood. And we offer spiritual sacrifices to Him, our God, and those please Him. Alright? So can you go with that as an introduction, please, uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Because as I was preparing, and we were chatting, we felt God give us these pictures. Simple little pictures to illustrate something of the priesthood. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14, says this. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Can you please say everywhere? God wants us to spread abroad the fragrance of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God amongst those who are being saved and amongst those who are perishing to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Everywhere, God wants us to be a fragrance. So at Cafe Ness, God wants us to be a fragrance. During the week in this building, God wants us to be a fragrance. At school, when you are teaching the kids at school, if you're a teacher, God wants us to be a fragrance. Thank you so much. And Petri, as he's doing his artwork and is painting his pictures, God wants him to be a fragrance. Whatever you are doing, God wants us to be a fragrance. At home, whether you're in the banking community, whatever you're doing, God says he wants us to have a fragrant perfume. Now, I have some fragrances here. And uh, this is a male fragrance called Aramis, which I wear sometimes. There's another one called Kouros that I like. It's a masculine fra fragrance. This is Anaana, which Helen uses, a feminine fra fra fragrance. Uh, this is another one called Murma. We got this when we were in the south of France on holiday. And if you go to a place called Grasse in Provence, it's a beautiful little town and amazing food. See, But they also make amazing perfume. And if you go into Grasse, you will smell lavender everywhere. Because lavender grows like a weed in the south of France. And what they do is for centuries they have gathered lavender... And they have this very basic process of distilling the essence of lavender and creating perfumes. All right? God wants us to be a fragrance. And uh, I used this illustration yesterday. When, during the week, Helen was having coffee with uh, Samantha. And I was preparing and I thought I'd go and have a break. So I walked down to the station to get myself a coffee and leave them to be talk as ladies do, and then as I got back, I opened the door, and I was just smelt this fragrance of their perfume. It was the most amazing thing. We walked into the room, and everything smelled in a nice way of Helen and Samantha. That was delightful. 
I don't know about you, but I can associate certain fragrances with certain individuals that have been significant in my life. Someone's aftershave that has, has had an influence in my life. I can sometimes, when I smell that aftershave, it reminds me of a certain person. When I smell a certain perfume, it takes me back to a certain place where Helen and I did certain things. <laughs> it's a delightful thing to remember, isn't it? Why oh, you all look so shocked? Don't you do that? With your... <laughs> you are perfume spread everywhere. As a priest, you are a fragrant perfume that God wants to use everywhere. By nature, you smell of something. To some, you are the, the fragrance of Christ, to those who are being saved. And the scripture says here, to those that are perishing, the fragrance of death. But you have an impact wherever you go because of who you are in Christ. Just by the simple fact that you are saved, that you are a son or a daughter, do you know that's, that's why sometimes people react to you in a strange way? Have you ever had that? When you walk into a room and suddenly you think, some people respond in a certain way and other people want to have nothing to do with you. Why is that? Because the fragrance of Christ is upon you, is in you. And to some, you are the fragrance of life. And into the same room, some, you are the fragrance of death because they can smell Christ. They can smell that He's in the room. And some people respond positively and some people respond negatively. But you are the fragrance of Christ. You are perfume. You are a priest. Second image is uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2. I love this. Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he says, You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. Can you say everybody? everybody. Read, read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. You are a perfume spread everywhere, and you are a love letter written from Christ to everybody. Now, I keep little things like this in my bedside table. If you visit my home one day, you're not allowed to look in my bedside table, because there are all sorts of personal things there, right? And one of them is this little card was written by Helen to me on my 31st birthday, which was many years ago. She says, to my dearest love, my true love has my heart and I have his. By just exchange, one forgiven, I hold his, him dear and mine he cannot miss. There never was a better bargain driven. My true love has my heart and I have his. It's a love letter. It's wonderful to celebrate love. And Jesus says for you and I that we are love letters written for the world. We are love letters. We are written not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. We are love letters written to the world. You're called to be a priest. You're called to be a fragrant perfume. You are called to be a love letter written to a dying world. That when people meet you, there's a fragrance, there's a love that they can taste and smell and see it's the fragrance of Christ. It's the love of Christ written on your heart. It's good news. Third image, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 says this. 
For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no, no, no longer live for themselves, but for him, who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Can you say amen to that? I am so glad about that. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. God does not care what you have been. He is more interested in what you are going to become. He's much more interested in your history than in your past. And I love amazing testimonies of God's saving grace. But you know what? He's much more interested in the future than you have, than what you came from. And I want to celebrate your future. And he says this. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation, that is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Can you say ambassadors for Christ? I'm not treating you like children, I'm just trying to get you to respond, alright? Ambassadors for Christ. And God makes his appeal through us. Therefore, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I said yesterday, if you're working as an MP and you were part of the cabinet or part of what, uh, the ruling party, you would have a ministry, you would have a portfolio. You might be having the Ministry of Defense. You might have the Ministry of Social Affairs. You might be the Minister of Sport. The Scripture says that you and I also have a ministry, and that is the Ministry of Reconciliation. You and I, that's our portfolio. We are called to reconcile people to God, first of all, and then to each other. That's what we are called, you and I are called to do. Be ministers of reconciliation. As simple as that. Isn't that beautifully simple? Well, how do we then affect this? How do, we, how do we fulfill this wonderful mandate that God has for us? If we are to be a love letter, if we are to be perfume, ambassadors, well, quite simply this. Like I said, if you crush certain flowers, you'll get an essence. So if you crush roses, you'll get the fragrance of roses. If you crush lavender, you'll get the fragrance of lavender. And I think for us as a church, that means that we can celebrate and enjoy the essence of Christ in us by enjoying the different strengths of people. You all smell different. You all do. And I'm not being rude. Okay? I'm not talking about body odor on the, on the uh, tube in the middle of summer. I'm not talking about that smell. I'm talking about the fragrance of Christ in us. All right? By enjoying diversity... And maybe, maybe what I'm trying to say also is this, that in, in the past, perhaps we have celebrated and enjoyed gifts in this church that are obvious gifts like preaching, like the prophetic, like leading worship, like uh, children's ministry, whatever, those kind of gifts. But I want to say to you this morning that the vast majority of gifts 
also need to be celebrated, and the vast majority of gifts are still resident in you as priests and still need to be released into their fullness by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can anyone say amen? I'm sounding particularly Pentecostal. So, what I'm trying to say is that instead of single fragrances, perhaps God wants a potpourri of fragrances to start rising in the life of this church. And then we take the church beyond the walls into the community in a whole new radical way. A love letter. All of you have amazing testimonies of the goodness of God and the grace of God in your lives. Don't you? I'm sure you do. And Des has an amazing testimony which we're going to let him share. He's been looking for work. He's, uh, he's, I want to say this, he's in the mature years of his life and in the middle of the credit crunch, you wouldn't, affect, you wouldn't think that someone in the mature years of their life would get a job. Well, he's just got the most amazing job. You know what? God is faithful. Amen. We're going to give him an opportunity to come and share in a couple of weeks. God is faithful. Uh, whatever we are facing, God is faithful. I believe that God is calling us to, as a church back to simplicity. That's the simplicity of the gospel and the simplicity of church life. I'm not going to go there now for the sake of time. But if you go to Matthew 28, it's the Great Commission. Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. If you go to Acts, 220, uh, Acts 2.42, you see how the organization of, the, of the, um, the early church, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to each other. They shared all that they had. And there was nothing that anyone needed because they shared all things together. That's a beautiful sense of community. And out of those things, those two scriptures, we've always tried to aim at five things in this church. Evangelism, preaching the gospel, fellowship, loving each other, worship, celebrating the goodness of God, discipleship, that's helping people to grow in Christ, and then out of that ministry that people can find their God-given destiny and start to impact other people's lives. But over this last period of time, we have felt, as we've prayed together, as elders, we've prayed together and we felt this overwhelming sense that God is saying it's a season of convergence, we need to converge, we need to concentrate our efforts, and we need to simplify things even further to the simplest, to the essence of the perfume, the essence of what God has for us as a church. And that's part of the new season. And so I want to encourage you with that this morning, that as the Word speaks of us as being a kingdom of priests and a priesthood of all believers, the traditional church has always had a clear distinction between the the priests on the one hand and the the laity on the other. As Bono says, the priests get all the glam rock outfits. They get all the fancy clothes, the priests. They get the the nice robes and they get all, all that stuff. And the laity don't. And that was a joke, all right? Okay. <laughs> and we've tried, we've, we've tried to guard against that division of priests and laity. But you know what I've discovered? That it creeps into the church and it creeps in ways that you least expect it and that you don't predict. And I think something that has happened is as we've emphasized leadership, which is a very important thing, and it's a very necessary thing, I think, though, if you overemphasize that, you can create a distinction between and a division between those who are recognized leaders and those who are not. And you perpetuate that same distinction between clergy and laity. I know the leaders do all the work and we don't, or whatever. You hear what I'm saying? 
And now the leaders must do it. No, no, it's a priesthood of all believers. And I'm just saying, let's get back to that. A priesthood of all believers. All of us. So, can I go, please, with you, and I'm trying to be succinct this morning, to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Just to remind you of what the Scripture says about us being a kingdom of priests. All right? I'm so glad you're here, and I I'm trust that you're happy that you came. All right? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. I love this portion of Scripture. It says, As you come to Him, that is Christ, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? We are living stones, yes. The cornerstone is Jesus. We are building towards Him. He is the center of everything. We are living stones being joined together, and we are, we are kingdom of priests. And in, the, in that process, we offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. And it carries on to saying, Behold, I am laying a, 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 in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will be not put to shame. So what are some of the spiritual sacrifices we offer then as priests? Well, here we go. I'm going to give you eight. It's not an exhaustive list, but eight things that we do as priests. These do not save us. Can I just emphasize that? We are not saved by doing these things. We are saved by the blood of Jesus. There's nothing that you can do to earn your salvation, but out of your love for Him. The scripture says, be a priest. And this is what priests do. The first thing they do, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, is that they offer up themselves. <laughs> they come on a daily basis and say, I'm a priest, Lord Jesus, this morning. I get up and I offer up my life, myself, to you, a living sacrifice. I am dead. The old is gone. The new has come. I am dead. Whatever you want to do with me this morning, God, I say thank you. I give myself a living sacrifice. It's not I who live any longer, but it's Christ that lives in me. And you know the portion well, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourself a living sacrifice. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable and pleasing to Him, which is your spiritual act of worship. First thing we want to do as priests is offer up ourselves every single day and say, God, I'm not mine. I'm yours. What do you want to have me do? Amen. The second thing we do is we offer up others. I love this. You go to Romans chapter 15, verse 15, it says this. Paul writing to the Roman church, he says, On some points I've written to you very boldly, by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. In the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. What is Paul saying? He's saying as you preach the gospel and people come to Christ, it's a fragrant offering that rises up to Him. It's a priestly offering that rises to the throne room of, of, of God. That is a wonderful thing. And I want to use a simple illustration. I know perhaps this reflects something of my history, and I don't apologize for that. But if you barbecue meat... Not hamburgers, meat. All right? If you barbecue meat and you walk into that environment, you smell this amazing aroma. And it gets your taste buds going and your tummy starts going like that. 
And you anticipate this amazing feast because you can smell it. You know what? It's, God is in heaven. And we're going to read just now one of the other things we offer up is prayer. But it's like God is in heaven, and when He starts smelling the rising fragrance of the priesthood, it starts making Him feel wonderfully glad. Ah, can you see my sons and daughters offering up their lives? Can you smell it? He says to all the angels around the throne and the 24 elders. You want to know that you can trouble in heaven because there's 24 elders around the throne. Not just a couple. Anyway, no, that's a joke as well. But anyway, the fragrance arises up to the throne and it pleases him. And he says, oh, my priests, there they are. They're worshiping me. They're loving him on each other. They are priesting. They are offering up themselves as a living sacrifice. They are praying. Isn't it wonderful? Thirdly, Philippians 4.18, said Paul writing to the Philippian church, I have received full payment, and more I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a spiritual sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours, according to His riches in Christ Jesus. Amen. We offer up our purse. We offer up our money. It's a fragrant offering. It's not a thing of the law. I don't give because I'm under the law. I give because of the grace of God, which enables me to give. I give because of the grace of God that enables me to find a job and create wealth in the first place. That's what the Scripture says. I give because of a covenant that my future is covenanted to His goodness and His provision in my life and not to the economy. And I trust in Him. And a token of my trust in Him every month is that I give my tithe gladly. Without being coerced with my arm twisted, I give it gladly and I say, Lord, it is yours. It is the basic minimum that I could do to show any kind of generosity. And above that, I give other stuff. Just like I wear a wedding ring. It's a sign of covenant. Sign of love. Sign of complete devotion. That's it. We offer up our purse. Fourthly, we offer up our praise. And all the musicians say, yes. We offer up our praise. Hebrews 13, 15 says this wonderful thing. It says, through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. (laughs) Continually. I loved it this morning. It was so easy to lead. The the priest was just like... There was God was here this morning. Not that he's not here every week, I know that, but just that sense of the dove resting was here. It's wonderful. Let's celebrate that, continually offering up our praise to God, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. We offer up our praise. Here's another one. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Do not neglect to do good. Doing good? Good works? Yes. Good works? Yes. Do not neglect to do good works. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Ah. Do your good works save you? No. Your good works are as filthy rags. They do not save you. But you know what? It's still good to do good things and good works because it's a fragrant offering as a priest. It's a fragrant offering when you love somebody. The scripture says, do not get out of the habit of welcoming strangers into your home because in doing so, some people have entertained angels. 
Hospitality, that's what it says in the second half of that verse. And share what you have, for such sacrifice is pleasing to God. We offer up not only our good works as a fragrant offering, we offer up our hospitality and loving on people and having them in our home. Hospitality, having people around your dinner table and just being extravagant in in the way that you host. Getting the best bottle of wine. Not like the bargain bucket. I don't mind the bargain bucket, but we can spoil each other sometimes. Isn't that right? Everyone's looking so shocked. Well, if you don't drink wine, whatever you drink, that's cool. But the best that you can afford, of course. But you hear my heart. Let's be generous. Let's host each other well. Let's love on each other. You are worth it, every one of you. Why? Because you're a son and the daughter of the Most High God. Am I now shouting? I can see some people are like, okay, so the volume has come down, all right? The volume will come down. Last, uh, second last, we offer up prayer. Revelation 8, verse 3. It's a beautiful scripture. It says this, Another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of incense, together with the prayers of the saints, rose before God from the hand of the angel. Isn't that amazing? In the throne room of God, our prayers are rising up to Him. They are a fragrant offering. When you pray, your prayers have power. When you pray, they are effective. They are, they are powerful tools in the hand of God. And who knows? Perhaps that sensor is filling up and maybe your prayer will be the one that tilts it over and God actually answers. How do you know? Just pray faithfully. Who knows whose prayer it was that tilted the thing over and then Des, his job was released? Who knows? We don't get to know that stuff. Maybe one day in heaven we will. But God is faithful to answer when we pray. I would encourage you to pray. And then lastly, the last priestly offering in Hebrews 4 verse 9 is entering into the rest of God that we rest from striving. We rest from striving. That's the last priestly blessing. If you, if you read in the context of Hebrews, it's talking about Jesus, our high priest, higher than Moses, higher than anything else. And that says this in verse 9. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered the, God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his. And then I love the irony of this, the writer to the Hebrews, because then he just says, he says this, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it? So God says, no, you rest in him, but you make every effort to rest in him. You make it your focus. You, you don't allow yourself to be distracted by other stuff. When things press in upon you, you shake them off and so that you can be resting in Him. Make every effort. Paul says, God, the deposit in you by the Holy Spirit like a good soldier. You stand and you defend it. When something comes to rob that deposit, you aggressively stand. You make every effort to keep that, that God has deposited in you. Amen? All right. In conclusion then, and uh, I want to ask the Scott family to get ready so that we can pray for you guys. But in conclusion, we want to see a rising priesthood in this church. 
that have weighed their own motives, that have weighed their own character, and have weighed their own devotion to Jesus. And that have heard for themselves God speaking and saying, I want you to care for someone. I want, to care you. I want you to care for this family. I want, to, want you to care for those children. But we want people to hear that from the, for, for themselves. And being a priest means that you can hear God's voice for yourself and that you can serve Him from a place of being commissioned by Him. And confirmation of that call from Him. And so for me, I just want to say as I look forward on this year that there are many ministries, many giftings that God is wanting to release in this church. And Helen, and uh, as we, like I said, we've been praying with the elders and their wives, and Helen had a prophetic picture of a piano keyboard being played with just a basic melody like one finger, without any sharps or flats. But suddenly the melody changed and God added all the notes, all the grace notes, all the different notes that had not been played before, and a whole more beautiful, richer melody began to unfold. And I, my friends, I want to say that's a picture for us as a church. God wants a whole different melody to begin to play. Kath Walters had a picture of seeds that were ready to germinate, but they needed the right conditions, and then they were released, and they germinated. And Mike reminded us, as a, a seed specialist, in terms of his education, that there are certain seeds that only respond when they go through fire. They cannot germinate any other way except by being put into fire. Well, that's an incredible thing. Who knows what God wants to germinate in your life, what the conditions need to be for that seed to germinate and produce life. We don't know. There were seeds that were found in the great pyramids that had been there for thousands of years, just in the pyramids. They took them out (laughs) and put them in the right environment, and instantly they began to germinate after being set aside for thousands of years. Doesn't that amaze you? God has deposited seed in all of us, and He wants us to release, He wants to release life through us. There were other words about a tree whose roots were pot-bound, and they need, as they were released, it became a new fruitfulness into the tree. So I want to just say this. God is wanting to release all of us into a new season of enjoying the richness and diversity of the gifts and ministries that He has for us. And in, in keeping with this thing of simplicity, keeping with this thing of responding to the Holy Spirit, you are saying, come on, simplify things. We have begun to talk about our mission statement as a church, and we're trying to simplify it. Those five processes, and you might see some of the banners, the mission statement of the church, but we're trying to reduce it to something very, very simple, and we've come up with this phrase for now, all right? Might change, but this phrase. Rooted in Christ, planted in family, fruitful in life. (laughs) That's what we want this church to live in. Those that are rooted in Christ, those that are planted in a family, and those that are fruitful in their lives. And that, that process needs to become more and more part of our vocabulary. Our road here needs to come out of every pore. It needs to come out of everything that we are involved in. Our focus needs to be seen through, seen through that simple lens. Uh, is it helping to root people in Christ? Is it helping to plant them in this family? Is it helping them to be fruitful in their lives? If they are fruitful in their lives, they will touch not only this community, but the nations of the world. I've been doing some reading. There's a guy called Hans Hoffmann. He said this, The ability to simplify means to eliminate the unnecessary so that the necessary can speak. 
What's the essence of what God wants to do? We want to eliminate the unnecessary so that the necessary can speak. And I want to just say, I don't think this is going to be a quick fix. It's not going to happen something just like in one week it suddenly happens. No, we're going to give ourselves to this process. And as God speaks, we're going to respond to the Holy Spirit over and over again and use every opportunity that we can so that every single person is rooted in Christ, planted in this family, and fruitful in life. And to conclude, it's a wonderful portion in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, which uses three images, which speak of this process that God has for us. It says we are God's children, one. It says we are God's building, two. And it says we are God's field, three. And I'm learning as a parent that as your children grow... You have to treat them differently from different stages in their lives. And that's not a thing of condescension. John 3.3 says that we are, all, we are born again and we begin our lives as spiritual infants, but then we begin to grow up in Christ and we begin to become adults in Him. It's a natural process and it's a critical process because when your baby is breastfeeding, you treat it very differently to when it's a toddler. And when your baby is a toddler and grows to be a young man, you don't treat your teenager like you do a to- toddler. You have a different environment because you're nurturing them in a different way. And it's the same as we are God's children. We grow. God's field. How many of you have seen a field spontaneously combust and produce fruit? It doesn't do it. There has to be a right environment. There has to be an environment where you plow, where you plant the seed, where you water, and then in the process, fruit is produced. And lastly, God's building. God built us when He created us. He brought, brought us back when He redeemed us by His blood. And then actually He moved into us by the power of His Holy Spirit. That's a wonderful image, isn't it? That He comes in and he resides in us. And so my point is simply with those three illustrations that there is a process that God has for us. We are saved, absolutely. Saved by the blood of Jesus, absolutely. And we rest in that. But God begins a process of changing us to become more and more like Jesus. And that's a process we have to cooperate with. And so we want to be those that simply cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is doing and be those that enable the environment in the church to produce life in people so that in the life of the person, fruitfulness begins to come 30, 100, 100 fold by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I preached a while back out of 1 John chapter 2. It talks about the children growing up to become young men and the young men growing up to become fathers. That's what God wants for us. That all of us cooperate with Him so whatever stage we are in our lives, we can grow. And if we feel like we're a child, that's fine. Let's grow to be a young man. And then let the the young men grow up to become fathers. That the grace of God is sufficient for all that we need. Amen. I trust that's encouraged you.